from KQED. You're listening to Queued Up. I'm Ryan Levy. If you're hearing this on the day it's released, November 18th, 2018, then it's 40 years to the day that more than 900 people, many of them from the Bay Area, were ordered to commit mass suicide at Jonestown by Reverend Jim Jones. Today, we've got the second part of our story about Robert Spencer, the Bay Area man who is digging back into the story of Jonestown to try and find his family. If this all sounds new to you, go back to the last episode in our feed to hear part one of this story. When we left off, Robert Spencer had found Stephen Jones, Jim Jones's son. Looking for answers as to who his own biological father might be, Spencer asked Jones to take a DNA test, and he agreed. Here's KQD's Tara Seiler with the rest of the story. Robert was anxious about whether Jim Jones might be his biological father, and it took a long time to get the DNA result back from Jones's son, Stephen. And for Robert, there was a sense of relief when the test came back negative. Now, that would have been horrible news to find out that Jim Jones is your father. Stephen, the actual biological son of Jim Jones, moved on. He had his own family to think about. And there was a little bit of uh, disappointment when I thought, man, I got a brother. And then that was not the case, you know, after all. Robert was incredibly frustrated. He'd been searching off and on now for a decade for a living blood relative. His sense of desperation was growing. But over the next few years, he kept up the search. While he was working his day job as a park ranger near Oakland and fighting wildfires around the state, he was sending off his DNA to various websites. Robert's luck was about to turn. This past summer, as he was running between blazes, he found a genetic match with a man named Harmony LaBeouf. He's a 37-year-old pastor in Chicago. But the two couldn't quite figure out how they might be related. He also had a DNA match with a very distant cousin who was a whiz at genealogy. After a lot of online sleuthing, she thought she'd finally found a close relative of Robert's. Not of his birth mother, but of the man who crossed paths with Agnes back in 1967, and a world away from Jonestown. Well, originally I was born Thomas LaBeouf in uh, Smackover, Arkansas, out, out in the country. This is Harmony LeBeuf's grandfather. It goes back to the old French version, LeBeuf. And uh, so then that was hard for people to remember because of my profession in the recording business. Columbia Records changed it to LeBeef. And sleepy was because I looked like I was about half awake most of the time. Talk. Yeah, 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 talk. Sleepy LaBeef's eyes are still sleepy, and he's still playing a rich mix of American roots music, blues, country, rockabilly, foot-stomping music like this song, Tore Up. He's 83 now and can still command a stage. Before getting the DNA hit on a website, Robert had never heard of Sleepy or his music. But to his fans, he's a musical icon. Sleepy spent decades on the road, but settled with his wife Linda in a modest home in Fayetteville, Arkansas. They had never heard of Robert until this past August when he left a phone message saying he might be related to Sleepy. 
I just kind of figured because Sleepy's the youngest of 10 kids and has so many relatives. This is Linda, Sleepy's wife. I thought I was probably a fourth or fifth cousin or something, and I, I wrote it down, but I didn't make it a high priority. Uh, I wasn't getting callbacks. I was leaving messages, and I could tell I was like, God, they must think I'm a pest. Finally, as Robert was on his way to fight the Mendocino Complex, California's largest fire ever, he tracked down Sleepy's music promoter in Nashville. He told him he thought Sleepy was his father, and the promoter agreed to reach out to him. He said, well, this gentleman sounds like he's an intelligent person. He's not trying to claim kid when he's not or anything like that. said, uh, you ought to talk to him. But still, no one was calling Robert back. He wasn't waiting, though. He and his wife jumped on a plane in San Francisco and headed to Arkansas. It was the ultimate cold call. As soon as he landed, Robert called Sleepy, and they agreed to meet at a coffee shop in Fayetteville. Didn't know what to expect, that's for sure. Turns out, it wasn't just Sleepy coming. It was his whole family, his kids, his grandkids, and his wife, Linda, all there to size up Robert. Well, when we first walked in and I saw him, obviously there was the physical resemblance, so I, I knew it was him. For Linda and Sleepy's oldest daughter, Jessie, seeing Robert was like a bolt of lightning. My dad's eyes and my dad's smile completely. Me and my sisters have discussed it between us, and he he pretty much looks like a younger version of my dad. Like, we remember our dad from when we were little girls is about how Robert looks now. Robert didn't see the resemblance. Of course, he was staring across the table at an 83-year-old man. But from the moment they all met, there was an instant connection, almost spiritual. It's just a feeling that you have for, for certain people, and I think that the whole family felt that for Robert right from the get-go. It was just, he, he was family. Linda says their bond was so strong with Robert that even if there was no DNA match, they'd still want him as part of their family. But everyone agreed a test was needed, if only to give Robert a sense of validation. So the two went to a lab in Arkansas and took the test. Robert didn't get the result until he returned to California. 99.99% probability that Sleepy is Robert's biological father. I look forward to more conversations with him and finding out, you know, what I can about my mom. So we don't know if it was kind of a, a quick affair or, a, you know. No idea. Within three weeks, Robert jumps on a plane again for a 10-day visit to Arkansas. He immediately throws himself into the family's daily routine, helping shuttle grandkids to various activities. In the evening, he's bent over photo albums, tracking the family and Sleepy's musical life on the road. Here's uh, one of the first bands I had right here. I was skinny, too, back then. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that pink album. Look at this. Robert is this eating it all up trying to digest decades of lost history. That's one of my favorite pictures. Yeah. That was taken <laughs> years and years ago. Is that John? Right there, yeah. John is Johnny Cash. Sleepy also tosses out names like Merle, as in Merle Haggard, Elvis, as in, well, Elvis. Once in a while, Sleepy picks up his guitar and plays one of his concert standards, like Standing in the Need of Prayer. 
It's me, it's the real Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's the real Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Robert, by the way, did not inherit this musical gene. He's okay with that, though. He's already started collecting Sleepy's albums. I love his music. It's great that I just have to, you know, hey Siri, play Sleepy LaBeef. And then I get to hear my dad's voice. There we go. It's hard not to be struck by how fast this new relationship is moving. They have no shared history, no shared memories, no shared holidays, no shared dramas, all the wonderful and messy stuff that defines family for so many. So how do people go from strangers to family virtually overnight? To an outsider, it all seems pretty crazy, but not to Sleepy. Being from a big family, like I said, I had seven sisters and two brothers, and uh, there's always room for more. (laughs) And uh, I'm not uh, disappointed. I'm, I'm glad things are working out. For Robert, things could not be working out any better. He's finally got what he's been searching for, a family and some answers. His olive skin is from his mother. His blue eyes are from his dad. But there is a lingering question. Robert still doesn't know the details of how Sleepy and Agnes met back in the 1960s. The details are pretty fuzzy. And we had a place in Nashville there where all the musicians would meet called Line Balls and Tootsie's Orchid Lounge and the Honey Club. And fans from all over would come to these Nashville clubs to meet the musicians. So you had an opportunity to meet a lot of people, and sometimes uh, we were not, you know, as responsible as we should have been. So things, things happened, you know. About 10 years after things happened between Sleepy and Agnes, she and her four children would die in Jonestown. Her body was buried in Indiana, where she was born. The unclaimed bodies of her children, Robert's siblings, were placed in a mass gravesite in Oakland. Just four days before the tragedy, Sleepy and Linda got married in Texas. We saw it on TV. And in fact, I might have made the statement, well, I hope I didn't have any friends or or fans that was involved in that and Robert escaped that so that was it was a blessing that he missed it I felt like it was basically a miracle you know I mean he he should have been there so many things Robert has wanted to know about his birth mother are buried in Jonestown Robert had hoped Sleepy would share some details about Agnes but he seems at peace that his father has none to offer I guess I'm the rock and roll baby, or, you know, that was just a period of time. And that's how things turned out, and that's why I'm here. Some families are joined at the hip. Some try desperately to get away from each other. And then there's Robert Spencer, who sought out complete strangers and got lucky with a DNA match and acceptance. But no matter how families are defined, we all know they require navigating. I'm a Democrat. They're Republicans, and so we're different. But he's not too worried about this red-blue divide, or that they're Pentecostal and he's not. He's learning that in Arkansas, people even build bonfires in the middle of the day in their front yards. Robert and his niece and nephew are burning branches that fell during a storm. Bonfires in September, 
Also something pretty strange for a man who works at putting fires out in California. Everyone here is now looking forward to Thanksgiving. The extended family is descending on Fayetteville to welcome Robert, his wife, and their kids into the fold. I'm thankful to be here, and I'm, it sure worked out well. <laughs> you know, like on the back of comic books, you can order sea monkeys, and it seems like all you got to do is just add water or something, and all of a sudden you're going to have this. And it's just like, it's like instantly I have family now. Well, it wasn't exactly instant, but it seems like Robert does have a lot to be thankful for. Thankful for his adoptive parents for raising him in a loving home. Thankful for Stephen Jones for helping him in his long search. For his new family in Arkansas for embracing him so unconditionally. And thankful for Agnes for giving birth to him in the first place and then letting him go. Thanks to KQD's Tara Seiler for that story, which originally aired in full on the California Report magazine. Jonestown wasn't the only tragedy that hit San Francisco in November 1978. Just nine days after the mass suicide, San Francisco Mayor George Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk were gunned down in City Hall by former Supervisor Dan White. Next week on Queued Up, we'll look back at those assassinations, how they changed the city, and how they continue to impact people today. I'm Ryan Levy. Have a good week.